Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be with you. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Um, when you realize Steve and Marvin and Don, I mean, right? We're near the bottom of the barrel here, right? <laughs> Drop your expectations and everything will be well. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Don Orange. Uh, I'm a sinner saved by Jesus, and I'm learning to follow Jesus like you all are today as well. And far from finding myself um, getting better and better, me personally, I find myself getting more and more desperate, um, aware of how much I need Jesus as I grow older, of how much I'm banking on his promises of forgiveness and his promises to stay with me and to complete this work that he promises to do in me. This morning's not going to be a typical uh, sermon. Um, you'll see how here in a moment. First of all, uh, the title is, It's a Christmas Story to Begin Summer. Anybody want to leave yet? <laughs> Let me give you three more reasons here. Second reason, or way that this sermon is going to be different is, um, I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, this is a story, by the way, I want you to be real clear about. This is not my story. This is a story I heard someone on a podcast give. His name is Jason Michelli. The name of the story or the talk was, God is not nowhere in the world. And honestly, all I'm going to do is read the story. That's it. I mean, you're not getting your money's worth here. I'm just reading the story. It gets worse. Here's the third reason why um, this is not a typical Sunday is because you are going to do the preaching. And you're going to do that with Morgan's help. Morgan's going to stand right here on my right hand um, and assist me. And uh, he's going to lead you in a responsive reading. And you're going to, just so you know, there's, there's no mistake here, you're going to do this reading, you're going to do it, is it five or six times? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. <clears throat> my confidence is going up, I don't know about yours. All right, um, six, okay, good. You're going to read a responsive reading with Morgan six times. And just, just so you know, so you don't have to worry about this, it's the same reading. So you ought to have it memorized by the time we're done here, right? Anyhow, um, it's helpful, by the way, since you're doing the preaching, that you do this with some level of enthusiasm, right? Like you mean it, not like you're being drugged through it, but that you're leading. Your, it's your chance to preach here. The fourth, fourth reason this sermon uh, will be different today is because the point probably will not be obvious. Um, so far, we're, yeah. <laughs> This is, uh, this is called managing the bar, is what this is called. <laughs> you know, if you remember, and uh, I, please don't make the connection too strongly here, but Jesus told a lot of stories, and a lot of people didn't get them either. <laughs> Jesus said to those people, he said, if you've got ears, hear. Um, I won't say that, but I'll just say, hey, you might have to think about this a little bit. 
And uh, probably the best possible outcome uh, would be that after this church service is over, you would go, what in the world was that? <laughs> and that would spark a great conversation with someone who was here, um, and you would talk about this. For example, um, I told my wife what I was going to do, and it sparked a great conversation. And she's so confident, she's sitting in the very back row of the balcony right now. <laughs> I told her, you can make a run for it if you have to. <laughs> all right. So anyhow, um, with all of that said, um, in all of that silliness, uh, there is uh, kind of a seriousness in this about this story I'm going to tell you in just a moment. But please join me as we pray. Gracious and merciful God, would you speak to us today? Would you open our hearts to hear the good news of the gospel, that we are loved and forgiven, not because we're worthy or because we're doing anything worthy, but because you, God, are an all-loving, kind, and gracious God who sent your son Jesus to rescue us. Thank you for hearing our prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A Christmas story for summer adapted from God is Not Nowhere in the World by Jason Michelli. A long time ago, in a county far away, in a church tucked in a small town in the Blue Ridge Mountains, our little church staged a Christmas pageant during Advent. When it came time for the angelic chorus to say in unison, glory to God in the highest, you could hear Katie, a first grade angel, vomiting her breakfast into the trash can over by the grand piano. The sound was loud enough that when the other angels should have been proclaiming peace on earth and goodwill to all men, they instead started gagging and covering their noses. Meanwhile, apparently bored by the angels' news of a messiah, two shepherds, both third-grade boys and both sons of wise men, started brawling on the floor next to the manger. Their free-for-all prompted one of the wise men to leave his entourage of wise men, staged halfway up the center aisle, walk up to his son, cuff him stiffly on the back of the head, and threaten him loud enough for everyone to hear, boy, Santa won't be bringing you any NASCAR tickets this year if you can't get your together. Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even while we were dead with transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Truth be told, the little church had neither the numbers nor the talent to man a lemonade stand, much less mount a production of the Christmas story. Nonetheless, the brusque young mother, new to our congregation, had approached me about staging a Christmas pageant. Because I was a rookie pastor and I was terrified of this woman because of her overbearing confidence and habit of barking out orders, I'd agreed to it. Without her hurricane-like personality, this Christmas pageant would have never happened. Under her direction, the set on the stage was made to look like the small mountain town where we lived. The Bethlehem skyline was dotted with a Burger King sign, a local VFW, a funeral home, and instead of an inn, a Super 8 hotel. Behind every door, and behind every door, someone sat, and as Joseph knocked on every door, someone would cry out, ain't no room here. The old man behind the VFW door was named Fred. Fred was the oldest member of the congregation. Fred sat on a stool behind the VFW door wearing his VFW beret, chewing on an unlit cigarillo. Fred was almost completely deaf and not a little senile. So when Mary and Joseph came to him, they didn't bother knocking on the door. They just opened it up and asked the surprised-looking old man if he had any room for them, to which he responded by looking around as, at his surroundings as if he were wondering where he was and how he'd gotten there. Because, of course, he was wondering where he was and how he'd gotten there. For some reason, probably to save money, the director mother had ordered the wise men to make their own costumes. The result was that the three wise men, standing in the center aisle near the back, looked more like a Halloween costume party than wise men in a Christmas pageant. One wise man was dressed with a in a white lab coat and carried a stethoscope. Another wise man was dressed like the former WWF wrestler, the Iron Sheik. And the third wise man wore a gray and green Philadelphia Eagles bathrobe inside out and for some inexplicable reason had aluminum foil around his head. Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. When it had come time for the performance, I had taken a seat on the back pew where the ushers usually sit after their work. Gazing at the cast and the production design from afar, I briefly wondered to myself the question Jesus' friends caused me to ask from time to time. Why didn't I go to law school? <laughs> An usher handed me a program, The Gifts of Christmas. On the inside of the program was a list of the cast members' names and their roles. The head usher was named Mike, and he sat down next to me as the program began. Mike was an insurance auditor. Salt and pepper hair, dark eyes. He led a Bible study on Wednesday mornings at the diner. He delivered the meals on wheels. He chaired the church council. He supervised the coat closet. He mentored kids in the juvenile justice system and by far was the little church's most generous donor. He was also more than a little annoying in his self-righteousness. Son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Mike fixed his reading glasses on his nose and opened the program and began reading loud enough, just loud enough, so that I could hear. Mary played by. His voice was barely above a whisper, but it was thick with contempt. Of all the people, of all the nerve, he whispered. I knew what he was thinking. There were no teenage girls in the congregation to be cast as the mother of Jesus. 
So Mary was played by a grown woman named Pam. A grown woman who was married to Roger, a man more than twice her age. She'd married Roger only after splitting up his previous marriage. The Holy Mother of God was being portrayed by a homewrecker. Mike continued down the list of cast members. Magi number one, played by. Magi number two, played by. Of the three Magi, one of them had scandalized the church by ruining his father's business to fund his gambling habit. Another wise man was separated from his wife, but not legally so, while living with his new girlfriend. Reluctantly leading the elementary shepherds was a high school junior who had gotten busted earlier that year for drug possession. His mother was dressed as an angel and helped by directing the other heavenly hosts. Her husband, the boy's father, had walked out on them a year earlier. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, was played by a woman who was new to our church, a woman who often wore sunglasses or wore heavy makeup into the sanctuary. Sometimes she didn't bother at all, and she just wore the bruises given to her by her boyfriend that none of us had ever met. The band playing the role of Zachariah, Elizabeth's husband, the father of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, his name was Bill. Bill owned a construction company in town and had been accused by several people, including a couple in the church, of bilking them out of thousands of dollars. Every first Sunday of the month when we celebrated communion, Bill would come forward and as he approached the table, he would cry. As tears ran down his rough and sunburnt cheeks, I would press the communion wafer into his calloused hands and I would assure him, this is the body of Christ broken for you. More than anyone else in that church, Bill depended on the promise of Christ who said, this is my body broken for you. The you means me, for me, Bill. More than once, Bill came to me distraught and knotted up in guilt, and I told him, there's no conditions. Regardless of what you've done, Jesus forgives. Bill, you've got to take Jesus at his word, or you're calling him a liar, which is far worse sin than anything else that you've done. The truth about you, Bill, is not what you see in the mirror, good or bad. The truth about each of us is found in that broken piece of bread placed in our hands. You're no different than anyone else here. Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Mike, the usher, the insurance auditor, who had read the cast members' names under his breath, rolled the program up and poked me with it, just as the angels were saying and giving the good news to Mary. Mike said to me, who picked the cast for this? Who chose them? Who chose her? Pointing to Roger's trophy wife, who played Mary, the Holy Mother of God. It's one thing for her to show her face here on Sunday and Sunday after Sunday, but this? Do you really think she's the type of person we want representing Jesus' mother? Who chose these people? And because I was new to the parish, and mostly because I'm not a brave man and I did not like her, I pointed to the woman in charge and said, She did! Blame her! She cast all of them! Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. But for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He saved us because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. The narrator for the Christmas pageant that year was a woman named Betty. Betty hadn't had the energy for any of the rehearsals. She just showed up at the worship service when it was time to perform the pageant, pushing a walker, which had a small green oxygen tank strapped to it. Betty was old and incredibly tiny, no bigger than the children wearing the gold pipe cleaners around their heads. 
Emphysema was killing Betty a breath at a time. She had to be helped up to the pulpit before the performance began. In the few times that I'd been in Betty's home visiting, she'd told me about the dozen miscarriages she'd had, the pain of those losses, and how this loss, how this pain was outweighed by the joy of grafting an adopted child into their family. She told me about her young husband, who had died suddenly before the dreams they'd shared could ever come to be, about her daughter's broken marriage and her two grandsons, who now, in the complicated way of families, now lived with her. As the children finished their lip-synced opening song, the shepherds, angels, and wise men took their places. Betty struggled up to the pulpit. The oxygen line was pulled taunt on her face, and her fierce eyes were barely visible above the microphone. And with her hands, bruised because of blood thinners, she spread out her script on the pulpit, and in a soft, raspy voice began. For some reason, she didn't choose the Christmas story from Luke or John, but from Matthew. And rather than start Matthew's Christmas story in verse 18, where we hear, she shall bear a son, you shall name him Jesus, he will save his people from their sins, Betty went off script. I don't know if she went off script because she was confused, or maybe she'd lost her place, maybe she was just filling time while she tried to locate where she was in her script. The cadence of Betty's voice was regulated by the short breaths that she took as she struggled to fill her lungs with air. Betty began by introducing the passage. The Bible tells us about God being born as Jesus. Only after a long list of begats, Emmanuel, God with us. Comes a family tree. Every bit is knotted as ours. A family of scoundrels. Of murderers and unbelievers. Rapists and hookers, cheats and those consumed by their resentment. Starting with Abraham, who wasn't righteous, but was reckoned righteous only on the basis of faith. Jesus comes from a family just like us. He comes from sinners and for sinners. Son of man, can these bones live? 
I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Friends, <clears throat> the world is a mess. God's people are a mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. Thanks be to God who knows us in all of our weaknesses, knows us in all of our brokenness, and still chooses to love us in Jesus. This is really good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat>